You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us now open the Word of God in Psalm 89. This psalm speaks about the king, the king David, the son of David, that they also in the Old Testament expected, but also how they expressed their disappointment in the earthly rulers in, and king that they had received from the Lord at that time. First of all, we read the verses 1 through to 4. It's a mascal of Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. And then we turn to verse 19 through to 39. Once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man from among the people. I found David my servant. With my sacred oil I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will subject him to tribute. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him. And through my name will his horn be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock of my Savior. I will also appoint him by my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law, and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with a rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness, and I will not lie to David that his line will continue forever, and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, faithful witness in the sky. Then we turn to the last verses, 46 to 52. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting is my life, for what futility you have created, all men. 
What man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? O Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Remember, Lord, how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart attained the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies have mocked, O Lord, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Praise be to the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Yes, praise be God forever, as we may read of his faithfulness in our scripture reading from Luke 1. Continue reading where we left off last week. Luke 1, verses 26 through to 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when Luke in the beginning of his gospel writes that it seemed good to him to write an orderly account of the gospel of Jesus Christ, after, as he said, having investigated everything from the beginning, we must keep in mind that it is not just Luke, the writer, who puts it all nicely in order for us, but that the great order and a great harmony in this account comes from God, who made all these things happen in his way, at his time, and under circumstances stipulated by him in his eternal providence. And so as we read through this first chapter of this gospel, we see a beautiful harmony and parallelism 
as well uh, between the announcement of the coming birth of John the Baptist and Jesus, of the appearance of the angel Gabriel to Zechariah and to Mary. And yet it is made very clear that the former must serve the latter, and that all focus is on the long-expected Savior, who is now about to be born, a human child. Another point we are to keep in mind, this is all fulfillment of what had been received and symbolized before in the Old Testament. Luke reminds us of that as well in verse 1, when he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. But we also saw that clearly illustrated in the story of the events which happened in the temple with Zechariah. Luke does not come with a new story. But the Lord continues the history of redemption and he ties it in with the ceremonies that took place in the temple in Jerusalem. Ties it in with the prayers of God's people of all these previous ages. God hears prayers. This also comes out clearly in our text for today. We hear many familiar words which we also heard in Psalm 89. It is, what is happening is an answer of the Lord to the prayers as well as the lamentations of God's people in that psalm as well. That psalm rejoiced in King David, but also lamented and bemoaned how the house of David had fallen. There were the cries of God's people as we sang them, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire, O Lord? Where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Where is his throne? Where is the one who would sit on his throne and reign forever? Now, our text responds to all these cries and already foretells how that little child to be born of the Virgin Mary will fulfill all these great promises of the Lord. He will be the one. Those who continue to believe in God's promises waited for. God is faithful. And he will do it at his time. But he, uh, he requires of us that we believe. That we profess our faith and trust in him alone, his promises. Faith like a Mary. Committing your life to the Lord. Being his servant in whatever befalls you or us. I preach to you, the angel Gabriel foretells to Mary the miraculous birth of Jesus. So the angel Gabriel foretells to Mary the miraculous birth of Jesus. And we will pay attention first to the highly favored one. 
is Mary. Secondly, the child to be born, Jesus. And then thirdly, the response of a believing servant. Now, six months after the appearance of the angel Gabriel to Zechariah in the temple, besides the altar of incense, Gabriel is again sent by the Lord, his sender from heaven, with a divine message. Incredibly hard to believe for people. It again speaks about a child to be born. And another miracle child. Even greater previous uh, uh, miracle than the previous one. The first time Gabriel went to the temple, the heart of worship, with crowds of people praying in the courts at the time of the incense burning on the altar, while the one priest, Zechariah, was inside, as close to the most holy place that anyone will ever get, except for the once-a-year entrance of the high priest. But the location of the angel's appearance this time is in stark contrast with the previous time. It is not in Jerusalem, the capital. It is not in the Lord's house and dwelling place here on earth. It is not in response to a ceremony symbolizing the prayers rising up to the throne of God. The angel appears in Nazareth, a town in Galilee. An insignificant town, despised by many as being somewhere there in the backward and Gentile part of the country, up north, far from Judah, far from Jerusalem. A town we even never hear of in the Old Testament. Yes, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9 had already spoken about the future honor that the Lord would would bestow upon Galilee of the Gentiles. But in the eyes of the people, it was most unlikely place for anything to happen there that would have significance for the whole nation, yes, for the whole world. God's intervention in the history of the whole world. The angel Gabriel knows exactly where he has to be. He knows exactly the house. He knows the person to to whom he's to give this glorious message from heaven. Knows that she is at home at that time. Heaven has knowledge of all our details here on earth. Also for Gabriel to come was with such good news for the earthlings was a great joy. And it says he sent to a virgin, a young girl, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's. Virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
and even as Zechariah, Mary was also greatly troubled with his appearance or disappearance from heaven, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What's the meaning of this? Clearly, the angel had allowed some time for her to wonder. What kind of greeting? Gave time to let it sink in. But then he continued to put her at ease and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, who is this Mary? We do not know any more about her than what is told here in these verses and what we learn from her being the mother of Jesus. Always being there again throughout the years that Jesus lived on earth. She's called a virgin, which for us has the overtones of not having had sexual intercourse with anyone. And that is also implied by the word virgin, but not only. It also means that she is a young, unmarried woman. Perhaps even still a girl. She was pledged to be married. Or betrothed, the old word is, betrothed to, to a man named Joseph. It said in verse 27. Now this betrothal was a stronger, a stronger relationship than being engaged like we do today. The ceremony was involved with witnesses declaring that she was to be the wife of this man, and breaking that relationship was also considered divorce already. Sometimes they were as young as 13 years when they were pledged to be married which would then follow in a year or so. But in agreement with God's commandment, they would not live together before that time. They would not have intercourse. Luke tells us all this at the beginning to stress the miracle of this birth. Was Mary also of the lineage of David? Some take the words a descendant of David in verse 27 as being said of Mary. And that is a possibility, but not likely in the order of the sentence, the structure of the sentence. But from the whole context, it appears most likely that she also was. The angel declares that God will give him the throne of his father David, while in this whole announcement nothing is said about Joseph and his role. Yet the angel refers to David as being the father, and Mary does not question that point at all. We may have a further indication in chapter 3 where Luke gives this, uh, uh, gives his uh, genealogy but he does it differently than Matthew. Luke 3, verse 23, we read, He was, that is Jesus, he was the son, so it was thought 
of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matthet, etc. Different names than Matthew gives us, which could be an indication of tracing it through Mary. Generally, it, it is believed that both Mary and Joseph were descendants of David, but that for the people, Joseph was the legal father through whom usually the lineage would be traced. And that would be traced then to David as well. Mary, however, is single out as a very special woman. Yes, she is so special that we could put her next to Eve, who was the mother of all. To Mary would befall the honor of grace that has not befallen on any other woman. She would give birth to the seed of the woman that all have been waiting for ever since the fall into sin and paradise, ever since the first mother, Eve. Eve. Now what an incredible privilege and position for a person who would have otherwise remained totally unknown. She was not a princess. She did not live in a palace. Neither was she a daughter of a famous leading person. She was just a young woman from an insignificant town in a region which did not even have a good reputation. Faithful woman looking forward to get married to a man who was by trade a carpenter, yet chosen by God for that highest honor that would befall any woman. No wonder the angel greets and addresses her as he does. Even the angel is amazed at the grace that befalls this woman as comes out in the wording chosen by him. It says, greetings, which in Greek also has the word grace in it, grace to you. Also the meaning of rejoice, be happy. You are to be congratulated. You're highly favored. You're full or you're filled with grace. The Lord is with you. And further, you have found favor, you have found grace with God. Now Gabriel, coming from heaven, he knows that this is very special. It's an honor and a favor that does not even befall the angels. Mary does indeed experience God's grace in a most unique way. No, it does not say that Mary herself of her own accord is different. And that she is so full of grace herself that she can distribute grace to others as the Roman Catholic Church still teaches and practices. And as a result, there Mary is adored and worshipped as if she were a goddess. And no, Mary is not a distributor of grace and favors. She is the recipient of grace, as she herself acknowledges 
in her song later on in Elizabeth's house. Uh, we do not participate in this adoration, this idolization of Mary. But yet at the same time, we must be careful that we do not belittle, that we do not minimize her position and, and the honor and the grace that was bestowed upon her by being allowed to be the mother of our Savior, the earthly mother of the heavenly Son of God, when he took upon himself human nature. Highly favored indeed. But a favor that will spread to all who believe in her Son. Not from Mary, but from Jesus Christ as becomes clear from the words that follow in the message of Gabriel. But all attention is focused on him, as it should be, by us, and how it should be also when we celebrate his birth at Christmas time. Secondly, we pay attention, more attention to the child. The angel does too. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So you're going to be pregnant. And you're going to have a little boy. And the Lord wants you to call him Jesus. That is the Greek form for Joshua, meaning the Lord saves. Well, that name by itself would not explain his greatness, since it was a commonly used name. However, the rest of what Gabriel tells about him puts this name Jesus in a very special light. He will be great in the sense of exceedingly great, excelling above all others, called the Son of the Most High, God Most High. Well, Mary knows that the Most High is not her, It's not Joseph, since it refers only to God Most High. And the Lord God has a very special purpose for him. He will be the fulfillment of all the promises, and he will be given the throne of his father David. Note that in this context, the mother and the father are mentioned. Mary being the mother, God most high being the father. When in this context refers to the throne of his father David, it would seem to indicate that Mary is indeed also from the lineage of David. How else would in this context, in these verses, David be his father? Joseph is not mentioned. Not even when Mary asks for and receives further explanation how this will be in verse 34. 
So Jesus will receive the throne of his father David. He will be king. He will be, and he will rule. He will be that son promised to David via the prophet Nathan at the time when David was informed that he was not allowed to build the temple to Samuel 7. But the Lord, however, would establish the throne of his kingdom forever through an offspring of David. I will be his father and he will be my son, the Lord said that time already. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now, the people in those days didn't see that happening. Yes, David was a successful king, and he was the man after God's heart establishing a mighty kingdom, but it did not last. We heard Ethan the Ezraite in Psalm 89 lamenting the fall of the house of David. But you have rejected, you have spurned, you have been very angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant and have defiled his crown in the dust. And in the end of the psalm, we heard that cry, O Lord, where? is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David. When are you going to intervene? While Gabriel is allowed to give that long-awaited answer, this boy, to be born of you, he is the promised son of God, the son of whom God will be the father and of whom you are allowed to be the mother. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now the house of Jacob, or Israel, is the nation of God. It's also the spiritual Israel, the true children of Abraham, who is the father of all who believe, yours and mine too. From now on they will have a king who reigns forever. His kingdom will never end, because he will save his people from their worst enemy, from all their sins. As the angel later explained to Joseph, and therefore they will be God's people forever. He is the great eternal king, and yet he is one of us. Born of a woman, born of Mary in fullness of time, when the Lord had everything prepared to be perfect for the great redemptive events which we celebrate in particular around Christmas. And then we also see a believing servant in our text. Now, even as Zechariah, Mary also has a question for the angel, but yet with a totally different attitude. Zechariah was filled with doubt and with unbelief. How can I be sure of this? But Mary humbly 
accepts the facts and only asks for further explanation and clarification. How will this be since I am a virgin, an unmarried girl? She was not married, and obviously she did not expect to be married very soon either. Otherwise, she would have assumed that this child would be the first one from her and Joseph. But she realizes that this is totally different. It's a miracle which has never taken place on earth before. She also realizes that this is something that is about to happen and not a distant future event. So she has a question, does this mean now that I have to marry Joseph sooner than planned? How will this be? How can I be pregnant without a man being involved? And Gabriel does not rebuke her for this question, and he gives her an answer. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. God, the Almighty Great Creator, and the life-giving Holy Spirit do not depend on people to reproduce life. Normally they do, but they don't depend on it. Both were there at the time of creation. And now they are creating something, something new. A new Adam. And it will be through their presence and power that life will be conceived in the womb of Mary. True human life without an earthly biological father. God's miracle of grace to provide us with a mediator and a savior who would be true God and true man. All praise be to God alone. The angel also informs Mary of the miracle birth that is happening in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It will confirm her in her faith to see that for God nothing is impossible. An unasked for sign. It is also very merciful and very understanding that the angel hints for Mary to go to see her. Someone that she can talk to, share it with. Someone who understands that the time has come for God to do great things on earth. A new era is dawning. God's promises are being fulfilled. Nothing is impossible with God. That's the angel's declaration from heaven. And one that we do not so easily repeat. Imagine what this all meant for Mary. All of a sudden, her whole life was turned upside down. How would this now all work? She wouldn't be able to talk about it to anyone except Elizabeth. How about Joseph? How about their wedding plans? What were the people going to say? 
people who thought she was a virgin and living properly, getting pregnant before getting married could even result in a death sentence according to the laws of Moses. What is she to do? What can she do? How is this all going to fall into place? Mary doesn't know that either, but she believes. And she humbly submits herself to whatever will befall her. Mary leaves the answers to her questions and all the upcoming problems in the hands of the Lord. She does not have to solve it all, same way we don't have to solve all our problems. But she submits as a humble servant. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Gabriel knew he was at the right place and the right person. His sender makes no mistakes. He had already prepared Mary for his task and had entrusted her with a humble faith. He gave that, the willingness to submit. The Lord had prepared his own instrument from whom his beloved son would be born. And brothers and sisters, that faith is no different than the faith that the Lord gives to us as well. Even if our task and calling may be totally different than that of Mary. In the end, we must all say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. With you, all things are possible. And after hearing about this greatest gift of divine love, the gift of our Heavenly Father's only Son, how can and may we ever question that God does really love us? We can only speak and think like Paul does after he has expounded the miracle of our salvation in Jesus Christ in Romans. And then he says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? For I'm convinced, Paul said, and we must say, that nothing, nothing in the whole world and universe can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us all say amen to that and think and live accordingly. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.